you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we continue our way through this really helpful letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And I have to confess, as a pastor, I wanted to skip this passage today because chapter 15 is simply awesome. We get to look at it next week. It's about the resurrection and the, the, really the heart of the gospel and what it is. This week in chapter 14, though, is stuff that, though I want to skip, it's important for us to hear. I just think that sometimes we don't understand why we gather on Sunday mornings. I don't know if you've ever heard. In fact, if you walk out the church today and look, and you'll see the sign that's over the, the, the um, doors, and it says the church is leaving the building. That's because the church isn't the building, right? The church is us. We're the church, the people gathered. But if you walk on the street and you ask somebody, hey, what's a Christian? You're likely to get an answer that goes along something like, hey, it's religious people that meet on Sunday. They go to Sunday services. It is an important part of our life, what we do today here on Sundays, that we come and, and we, we meet together. They're a deep part of, of, of our desire for community, for worship. Sometimes I think we mistake what it is. We think it's a, a time to come and, and, and do a good work for somebody. And then I'm shooting myself in the foot today because we need volunteers and we, we're so grateful. I'm so grateful for people that come and they serve on Sunday morning. It's the Sunday morning service. Even has that name. And yet Sunday morning, oh, may it never be that that's why we gather. We don't gather to do. We gather to receive. And I think that piece right there is so important. I want you to reorient on that with me this morning. Paul's overwhelming desire, as he, as he comes to us with his instructions, as he comes to this church with these instructions today, is that we might hear. And so when we come, and, and we even read it in Matthew, right? We read it how well, the disciples, they came to Jesus and said, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus says, because it hasn't been given to them to what? To hear. Hear what? Hear the message of the gospel. To understand the depth of what God's done for you. And you know what? All week in all your venues and everywhere you go and you're surrounded by messages that are not the gospel, that are not the truth. And on Sunday we have the opportunity to come here and to hear. Hear again the great word that God is for you. Hear again the wonder that though you sinned even this morning, though your sins are great, you are forgiven in Christ to come around the cross and to hear it. So we, we start to say, okay, the service that we're at is this truth of the announcement of the good news, and that's what we want to come and make sure that we hear from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because that's what he does. He uses the words of the speaker, the words of the text, the interactions that we have, and he begins to poke into our heart with the truth of Jesus. That's what I think. Now, our services look a lot different than they did 2,000 years ago. And so we have today this little glimpse, and it's, you know, it's one of the only glimpses that we, that, it, that exists today of how the early church, the very first church, how they ran their services. So it's kind of interesting historically. But it's also interesting for us to hear what the emphasis is. What does Paul want for people gathered on Sunday morning? And you know what? He wants them to hear. 
Okay, so I want you to see that. We're going to have four words for you of how to hear, and we'll take it from the text. The first one is about order. Our God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And so he presents that as he begins to talk about the service. And in verse 26, which is where we're starting, in chapter 14, he writes this. What then, brothers? You say brothers and sisters. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So, so he starts, right? He starts, okay, the services, obviously, when they started, it says, when you guys gathered, and, and it was the early church, you know what that means? No New Testament. It's not like, oh, let's all turn to Matthew chapter 14. No Matthew. So they came together, they knew the news of Christ, and, and, and they, they, they came together, and the Holy Spirit was working, and somebody brought a song to sing, another person brought a, a, a lesson to, to talk about, and someone brought a revelation from the Holy Spirit himself, and these things were happening. It's all for building up. It's all for encouragement, for consolation, like we saw last week at the beginning of the chapter. But he says this about tongues. He says, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So in this picture, Paul has this amazing announcement of, of who Jesus is and what he's done. And then they're, they're using Old Testament scriptures. They're using tongues that are coming from the Spirit. These things that are happening in the early church. All to build up. And Paul's concern is what? That they would stay in order. That it wouldn't be chaos, right? That somebody's talking over here and there's noise happening over there and somebody's clamoring for attention back there and, and there's all this stuff happening and you can't, you can't what? You can't hear. You can't actually hear what the Spirit wants you to know. So he's like, hey, it's got to be orderly. And if there is a tongue, only a couple of them, and somebody would need to interpret. It can't just be language that nobody understands. If there's no interpreter, don't speak. See, it's better not to speak than to be out of order. The, I, the idea then for the services early wasn't, oh, I've got something special, and I've got to do it. I've got to do something. I've got to do something over here, over here. No, 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 no. It's about everybody being able to hear. That's the building up that Paul wants. What can we hear together of God, of Jesus? And, and everybody gets built up. It's not the speaker being built up. It's never the instrument of the speak. It's always the Holy Spirit at work in your heart so you can hear what the news of the, of the gospel is. So along with order, then, the, the message of the gospel has to be heard. So it has to be true. So there's, there's this other word you need to bring in, and Paul brings it in, of discernment. So he says this, he says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. So again, he's, he's limiting the number of speakers. Not too many, he wants people to hear. The weight of it, really the weight of this passage is on the sifting, on the discernment, on the weighing of the words. And, and people argue whether a prophet would get up and speak and the other prophets would weigh whether it was true or whether he, someone would get up and speak and the whole body would weigh it. 
I lean towards the latter. The idea is if someone was giving a message and then there's a newer revelation, someone says, hey, I have something to say. The first person should be quiet because it's not about who's in authority. It's about all of us hearing from the Spirit. Pretty amazing that we might um, really be about when we gather on Sunday mornings. It's about encouraging each other. It's about hearing what the Holy Spirit's doing. It's about the message of what the Bible's about. And by the way, that idea that the spirit of prophets is subject to prophets, that just means that the prophet's able to stop. It's not like something came over me and I just have to say it and someone else says, well, something's come over me too and we're both going to say it at the same time. It's like, no, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, meaning that, that, that there's a spirit there that's one spirit and you're able to stop speaking if you need to. Okay, so you see this whole focus at this time is on everyone learning and being encouraged. And to do that, there had to be order. There had not chaos, not interruption. They had to hear, and they had to hear the truth that they're supposed to hear and consider. And so you start to get this picture, don't you? I, I hope you do. Of a gathering of believers, all having the Holy Spirit and the spirits at work, making sure everyone's encouraged and lifted up and built up in the message of who Jesus is and the idea and the truth of what Jesus has done for them. It's beautiful. It's deeply wonderful purpose the whole body could hear. There's a sweetness. There's a, a building up. I think of it almost in the sense of, you know, there's a day last week when I was outside and it was just, it was achingly beautiful. Remember that day? If you didn't, you don't have eyes, man. It was so cool. It's like the blues were blue and the white was white and the fall leaves were going on and Mount Baker's there in the background and you're just like, wow, God, this is, this is amazing what you've made. And honestly, we should have that kind of feeling on Sunday morning because he's done something better than that. Jesus Christ died for your sin. Your Savior adores you. No matter what you've done, no matter how terrible things have happened in your life, you've got a God who, who gave his life that you might live. You need to hear it again. We need to wonder again and say, wow, this is what beauty is, that our Savior died for us and he adores us and he loves us and he goes after us and he's such a great God we have. This is our hope, right? And there's this peace. There's a rightness with God that comes in worship, orderly worship around the truth. And, and that's what Paul is talking about. In fact, that's kind of the center many people think of this passage is this idea that our God is a God of peace. Peace means right relationship. That's the third word. For God is not a God of confusion, Paul writes, but of peace. As, as in all the churches of the saints. See, see, this is the idea of, of not of wondering what we need to do to make God happy or what we need to do to continue to get his favor, but the reality is that there's not confusion with God. There's this peace that comes from the gospel, that comes with absolution, that comes with the reality of what's been done, and I need to hear it again and again, and I need to come around it again with you, and that's what we're doing. I love it, this right relationship, and there's a sweetness in worship, and I sing songs, and I hear the words, and Ah, but then, 
But then Paul throws in this spanner. You know what a spanner is? It's like something beautiful and it's working and it's good and it's nice, like a clock mechanism, and then all of a sudden you throw in a piece of metal. Because look what he says. Follow it with me. The women should keep silent in the church. For they are not permitted to speak, but they should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Oh my goodness. What in the world? Paul, what are you doing? I read that and I'm not at peace. My blood pressure starts to go up. My heart rate increases. What is Paul saying? Is it's, This sounds sexist to me. What, what, what is he doing? Okay, before we go there, and we need to understand where he's going after, realize what this passage is about. It's about hearing. It's not about who gets to speak. It's about the wonder that we get to hear and things done in order, right? The privileges in the hearing, we hear when there's order and where there's truth. And you say, well, what does that have to do with this? Okay, so this verse is taken out of context all the time. And it used to be taken out of context in a certain way up until the, the late 1800s. It was amazing. There are denominations, Presbyterian denominations, where women were not allowed to say anything during the church service. By say anything, I mean anything. You couldn't sing. You couldn't whisper. So the idea would be kind of like, okay, at the door, the, 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 the ushers will be handing out pieces of duct tape. Women, have at it. Like, that's the idea, kind of, up until the 1890s. That's amazing, right? That's, that's incredible. Is, is that what he means? Is that women, women aren't allowed to speak? Anybody sing earlier? Oh, no. Is that how we take this? If you want to grab it out of context like that and go there, I would say that is obviously not what he's talking about. Well, how do you know, Dax? This is how I know. If you're not there, then you should go. You'll do it yourself. I won't walk through all of it with you. But if you go back even to chapter 11, and you look at chapter 11, and you read like in verse 5, where it talks about women prophesying and praying. And he's talking about in a service. So why in 11 would he say, oh, women get up and they prophesy and they pray, but we won't allow them to talk? How did they prophesy? Was it sign language? No. He's talking about something else. He's not talking about women never talking in the service in the way that you and I think about it. And somehow we want to rip it out of context. He doesn't mean that. So what's going on? Well, here's where you say, okay, well, we know what the base of the passage is. We don't want to lose it. But let's go down the weeds for a minute so that we can talk about it. There are 30 interpretations of this passage. Some of them very nuanced. Because everybody's trying to figure out what was going on 2,000 years ago that Paul would say this. And there are neat people in church history who come up with these really interesting ideas. I don't know, but let me share a few with you just for fun. John Chrysostom, he, you know, the great the golden teacher in the, in the 200s, 300s, he said that what this was was that um, women were gossipers. They loved to gossip, and during the service they were talking and gossiping about the local stuff. Oh, okay. Does that mean that the men never gossip? Some people say women were ignorant because part of the society that happened here was that women oftentimes didn't read. So, so the idea was is that women don't know. They're asking very foundational questions. He's like, hey, it's very disruptive. Everybody's asking all these questions, and we need not to have so many questions. We just need to hear the truth. Okay? 
Some people think, you know, there's, there was a deliberative process here that the prophets were to speak and then the other people were to sift and weigh it and the women weren't worthy of weighing those things. Not part of the deliberative process. You know, the difficulty with that is that 11.5, they were prophets. Some women prophesied, but somehow they weren't allowed to actually talk about the prophecy. Here's what I think. You gotta know and understand as we go down this road and we consider these things is that Christianity is the greatest force for gender equality the world's ever known. That society in ages past very much about who's the strongest and who can exert control. And that was generally men. And so you get societies that are very patriarchal because the men are strong and, and the world is, is evil. And here comes Christianity where there's no longer male or female, but we are all in Christ. It is an amazing Amazing thing that, that has happened with us that we say we are all the same. There's no evidence structurally that I could find that could say, oh yeah, something was going on in terms of what Paul was saying. Things like some people say, hey, it's like the synagogue. The women sat over here and the men sat over here and there's a wall. And so in order to ask a question, the women have to yell out the questions. And that was why. No, there's every evidence they were home churches. They were just mixed in. We don't know. And the other thing I think that's very important here is that there's no appeal to creation. Other places, Paul has said some things about men and women with creation order and trying it back to Genesis. He doesn't do it here. He just says the law. And if you go into the law and look, you will not find a single place where the law says women must keep silent. It's not there. The law is about order, though. Things need to be in order. And Paul's speaking to this church where there were problems because he'd received a report from Chloe's faction back in chapter 1. He's received a report from this woman's people about things that were happening out of order. And if things are happening out of order, guess what happens? You don't get to do what? You don't hear. You just watch the spectacle of whatever's happening. And there's every every indication in this passage that Paul's heart is that there's some stuff out of order and I just want it to stop. I think there may be something culturally we don't really understand. Like, you know what? Back 2,000 years ago, there was something about women and men talking to each other. If you were married, and the, the word for women here is the same as the word for wife, if you're married to someone and you're a wife, you don't go up and talk to another man. That was considered shameful. In fact, if you even had Jesus talking to the woman at the well, remember, it's not just that she's a Samaritan that she's like all surprised Jesus is talking to her. It's also that she's a woman. What are you doing talking to me? It didn't happen in the culture. I think the closest we have is some Muslim cultures now or in Africa as in different cultures where it was very tight what men and women did with each other. So if you saw something that was kind of a little out of, of order in your culture, that out that, well, how, he's talking to them, what, what is he saying and what's going on? And I just, what are you getting distracted from? Hearing. You're not hearing the message. You're thinking about other things. You're thinking about the shame and honor of it. And, and, and he says, hey, I just, I'd rather those interactions, if you need to ask questions, have it at home. So this church somehow, I don't, I don't believe he's making some blanket proposition about women not speaking ever. If so, then you are down to duct tape, because that's literally how you need to take it. No, no, no. He's addressing a specific situation, and, 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 and 
this idea that there was disruption happening and some sort of disrespectful questions, whether because of culture or what was actually said, some of that chaotic Corinthian meetings. And in Corinth, these practices were coming from the women. So it's like, women, don't do it. Let everybody hear. You too. Eugene Peterson, he died recently, but you know he wrote this translation. He called it of the Bible. I think it's more of his interpretation of, of the Bible. And so he wrote this in the message. He said, wives must not disrupt worship, talking when they should be listening, asking questions that could more appropriately be asked of their husbands at home. God's book of the law guides our manners and customs here. Wives have no license to use the time of worship for unwarranted speaking. Okay, And we see, right, so the issue, to come back to what we're really talking about, is undistracted hearing. This was the time. You don't listen to the Bible on the radio. You don't break out your iPod. You don't think, you don't have the Bible to read at home. This was the time for you to hear the preciousness of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit applied to your heart. That you would hear the gospel. Don't get distracted. I think it's really easy to get the wrong idea here because, because of the cultural stuff that's involved in. It's really amazing, even in our own hearts, how we need to root out this stuff. I think that, I don't know, I, it was, my kid's in sixth grade now. She was writing an essay last week, and I read it, and it was by Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony, you know, it's the woman who's on the silver, the little dollar, the one dollar thing. And um, she gave her life for women's suffrage, but that didn't become... Women didn't get the right to vote in America till when? Did you know? 1920. That's less than 100 years ago. 19th Amendment. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Uh, America's been around for 300 years. <laughs> and we're in a democracy where everybody's valued and we're all fed. No, 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 no. Women couldn't even vote. There's a reality about rights and about, about how we treat each other that's really true and really right. we got to... We gotta fight this stuff, but it's not that way in the church. In the church, we're gathered around this one idea. What is it? We're all in Christ. And I just need to hear. I don't need to, I don't need to fight for my right to speak. I don't need to fight for my right to say or do or, or be seen as great and good because the reality is my only hope, my only value for anything is gathered around the cross of Jesus Christ. Man or woman, slave or free, no matter who you are. So I, I do think that a rights mindset is good to think about because the, the Bible has helped us over thousands of years of hearing the word and understanding the depth of equality that we have between us, that we are the same around the cross, and it starts to filter out into society, and we need to fight for these things. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the wonder of you need to hear the gospel. Don't be distracted. Don't be put off or by chaos or other things. Really, this comes down to our attitude towards each other. And as we worship together, here's the last word. It's humility. Oh, that you and I would be humble together to realize we're nothing saved by the king. That's where Paul goes. Look what he says. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones that has reached? See what he's asking? He's saying, we're in this together. We're all the same. We're the only, uh, the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, rests on every single believer. Everyone. 
we're all the same at the cross. It's not like, oh man, I've got my insightful word, and boy, you just need to listen to me. It's not, oh, I'm a guy and you're a woman, so you be quiet and let me talk. It's not, oh man, I've got riches and wealth and you're nothing, so let you say, learn from the king. That's despicable. What we have instead is this wonder that we gather around this amazing spirit and the spirits that work in us. We receive the word. Man, woman, child, Jew, Greek, slave, free, older, younger, whoever you are, the, the key thing is have you put your trust in Christ full stop. If you're really about the spirit, if you really know anything you have, you receive, you don't have to be about building up yourself. You're eager to hear the truth about the wonder that you've heard. That's why he says, if anyone thinks he's prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge the things I'm writing to you are command of the Lord. If anyone doesn't recognize this, he's not recognized. It's about the spirit. It's not about you. So, brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Hey, we want the Spirit to speak. We want Him to speak today. Not us making things up, not chaos, striving to be the loudest or the best or the most used, but for the Spirit who's in us all to be heard peaceably, wonderfully, truly. I beg you, can I this morning come to church? Not to do. Come to church to hear again. Hear from the Spirit. Hear it in the songs that we sing. And, and as we sing these songs and we sing them of, of the Lord, that you might take in the gospel yet again because some of the very best truth we have, we distill down into things we sing. And it's not about how loud you sing. It's about you agreeing and joining in with the body that this is true. Hear it in the reading. Hear it in the prayer. Hear it in the passing of the basket as you pass and you realize that people believe so much in this amazing grace that they've gotten from Jesus Christ that they're willing to sacrificially give where it matters that this, this, this word would go out. Hear it in the greeting to one another. Hear it in the word proclaimed. It's always pointed at your heart because the Holy Spirit's at work as we can hear of Jesus Christ and all he's done. The truth of your inability, the law proclaimed to you, the amazing truth of Jesus Christ's action on the cross for you in the gospel. If you will hear, your heart softens. You see the love of God for you and those around you. You won't be the same if you'll hear. And so we will, in our body, we will act in order. We will speak in truth. We will strive to listen and not exalt ourselves. We will act in humility. And our God, the God of peace, of order, of love, he speaks to us, oh, of the wonder of our union with his son. And if you'll stick around till next week, we'll dive into the content of what the message is that you need to hear. But I'll tell you what, we do need to work on hearing it. May you receive with humility the implanted word that's able to save your souls.